It's your boy, and welcome to episode 87 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everywhere you find good podcasts, you'll find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us, give us five stars, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast, and why others will also. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the podcast, send them your favorite episode. Also, a video podcast available now at thisismpod.com. That's thisismpod.com. You'll find the latest episode posted at the top of the page. You can watch the video there on our website or click through to the YouTube channel. Subscribe and all those good things. Ni hao. Oh, is your boy speaking Chinese? Uh, yes, he is. I started summer school during finals week which just ended. So I told you last week that I might not be here for last Monday's episode, and that proved to be true. It wasn't even planned that way. I mean, I anticipated it, so I anticipated that I wouldn't be here, but I didn't even think about recording an episode on Sunday, which is normally when I record it. I was so busy studying for finals, I didn't even think about the podcast, which is insane. You know, this has been in the back of my mind all week, every week for the last two years? How long have we been doing this? Almost two years now? And I was so busy last week, I didn't even think about it. Uh, Last week was, I mean, I'm sure starting summer school during the same week made things more challenging, but last week was the hardest week of school I've had so far. Uh, I anticipate it being harder again in the future, but everything was coming together at the same time last week, and every day from the time I went woke up at like 8 a.m. to the time I went to bed, Well after midnight, I was doing something, whether it was studying or taking a final or having to work, um, and it just consumed all of my time and energy, and it was exhausting, and it was hard, but it was also, it was also fulfilling in its own way, Um, and things happened to feel like they were going well. I think I really knuckled down because I had my, I'm not sure if I, you know, my timeline's a little fucked up here, but I think right before. I think probably the last time you and I spoke, I was getting ready to do the first part of a three-part final I had for American Sign Language. And the first part was a comprehensive, you know, written part. And I got a, my grade back on that very quickly towards the end of the week, right before the weekend. And it was 85. And I was like, what the fuck? And I since met with the teacher and, you know, I happened to disagree with their feedback. I, I don't think the instructions were clear, but that's neither here nor there. Um... Because I had a second and third part, which I think went very, very well. The, the, the second part I got 100% on. The third part I still haven't gotten a grade back on. And I've been checking. I've been going on. It's called Canvas. If you're a student and you're doing things online, you're probably using... You might be using the same platform. But I've been going on Canvas and checking my grades. And um, I haven't seen any of them except for calculus. I took a three-and-a-half-hour calculus final. And uh, I got... I think I got 94% on it. I got 85 out of 90. You'll have to uh, do the math. But it's I think it's about like 94, 96, something like that percent. So I got an A in the class. So uh, that's really fulfilling. Uh, when I started calculus, I have two thoughts. And maybe I've linked these before. But I, I, I've talked about, now that I'm changing my major as I transfer to a four-year school, I realize I certainly didn't need the second semester of chemistry and I didn't need as much math as I've taken. But I think in some ways having, you know, I don't want to say really understood those topics, but still getting an A in them, uh, I think it really showed me that I probably could do Chinese if I really wanted to. Meaning, 
chemistry is a foreign language for many people. Math is certainly a foreign language for me. And yet, despite not even enjoying the topics, I did, I did well. The fact that I might enjoy Chinese, and I am so far, means that uh, even though it will be a challenge, there's no reason I can't learn it like anything. If I can learn calculus, then I could probably learn Chinese. Uh, we'll see if that is true, but that was the mindset I went going into it. So even though I didn't like calculus, I'm glad I took it. I'm glad I, and I'm, and I'm of course, I'm happy I did well with it. Um, a couple outstanding grades. So I still need to hear about the third part of my ASL final, which I don't know. I think I'd have to do pretty, pretty, I think I'd have to like really bomb it not to get an A in the class. And I don't anticipate that happening. So I'm relatively confident. I won't be able to sleep soundly until I see it, but I'm still relatively confident I did well. And then the real, <laughs> the real um, wild card is psychology. I had two major assignments to do at the same time. I had a group project, which went fucking awful as far as the process was concerned. I mean, I really hate group projects, and I think that's sort of natural for my personality. I'm very independent. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a lone wolf, so I like doing things my own. I think I happen to play well with others, but I also think I just do better when I can sort of create my own vision. I'm accountable to myself and get everything done. And then I just, I feel confident that I've done everything to the best of my ability. When you have a group project, historically, I've never really had any trouble. I always hate it when I see it on the syllabus or when it, when it uh, comes down to it, but I've already, they've they've always gone well. And then this, (laughs) this time, everything that I didn't want to have happen on a group project happened. There were people who weren't showing up. There were people who weren't doing the work on time. People were not communicating clearly. And it just really felt like I had to be, I mean, the minute we convened, I sort of took charge, not in a bossy way, just as in, you know, I took the initiative to contact everybody and, you know, organize the meetings and make sure everybody was on the same page and yada, yada, yada. Um, And even at the end, I had to sort of sew things up for everybody and put it all together. And while I was deeply resentful at the time, there's also a part of me that says, if that's what it takes, um, then that's what I'm going to do. So I did it. So hopefully that went well. We'll see. I still haven't gotten a grade on that. And then on top of that, we had a final paper uh, for the same class for psychology. So again, I haven't seen the grades, but um, you know, I did as well as I could on them. And you know, the last two years at junior college, I've gotten straight A's. And there's something about this psych class, not because I feel like I haven't worked hard. There is just this instructor who I strongly dislike, and I've already talked about it, so I'm not going to go into it here, but you know, to, to, to feel like, you know, not that it undoes the work that I've done before that, but I, I really, really want to have straight A's for these two years. Part of it is just for me. I want to show myself that I can do it. I mean, I was such an abysmal student in other parts, you know, in another chapter of my life that I want to show myself like, this is what I was always capable of. You know, now that I've worked through a lot of the other stuff, you know, I just want you know, if I can't continue it in my upper division courses at a respectable university, then, you know, as long as I do everything I can, that's, that's the best I can do. Right. But I feel like, especially at the junior college level, you know, I feel like if I don't, if I can't get straight A's there, whether it's true or not, I feel like I'm at, it'll take some of the wind out of my sails as I transfer. So we'll see. I almost looked, I mean, I've been looking sort of at intervals, throughout the day, uh, or the last couple of days, I haven't looked today and I, I don't want to. And before I sat down to do the podcast, I said, Oh, you should check your grades. But I thought if it, if I, if one of them is not, if it's not straight A's, I'm going to be fucking demoralized and it would make doing this 
you know, that much harder. Of course, I could just talk about how miserable I'm feeling. But um, I think if it really is disappointing, I'd rather sort of deal with that in private. So uh, I'm hoping that the next time you hear from me and, and my promise to you that I will do every effort I can to keep is that from here until episode 100, uh, up until episode 100, I will, I'll be here every week. And uh, I've been really consistent up until the last couple of weeks. And uh, I believe it's for a good reason. Not that I really answer to anybody, right? This is a free podcast. But I do take the fact that people listen regularly very seriously. And it's, I'm sorry to disappoint people, but it also has been nice that, you know, some people have reached out to me and been like, hey, where's the podcast? So I told you, so you technically have the answer, so why are you emailing me? But the point is, is that you listen, and that you care, and that you look forward to it. And the fact that it's not there means something to you. It's not the end of your worlds, obviously, but the fact that you listen, and that you look forward to it, and that you notice when I'm not there means something. And I, that's not nothing to me. That means something to me as well. I don't know what you see in this podcast, but you see something, and I'm glad that that's meaningful to you. And uh, it means something to me. Um, I think the, you know, its meaning is probably changing to me, but, uh, it still means something to me. And I think in the, you know, I hadn't really put this together, but I think in the same way, getting straight A's means something to me. It just, it proves something to me about my ability or my capacity or whatever it is. You know, doing this consistently means something to me as well. Um, you know, I think when it comes to my creative life, I think I've always worked very hard not perfectly. I mean, I'm not a perfect person. But I think if I'm being honest, when I compare myself to my peers, I'm certainly one of the most prolific creative people that I, I know in my uh, local artistic community. I've certain, certainly been able to accomplish things that not many of my peers have been able to do. And I'm not saying that to just be braggadocious. But I am saying there's something about a podcast in particular that's different from writing songs or making videos, which is sort of baked into you know, if your creative output is music, there's something baked into that, which is, it's not really predictable. You know, bands come out with a record, then maybe they tour, but they, they sort of disappear for a period of time, and we're not really sure what they're doing. But a podcast, you know, it's a regularly scheduled thing that you, that people are anticipating, and if, if, it's, if it doesn't come out, something's wrong. And, you know, people get really disappointed. I mean, in some ways, you know, it's not lost on me that for some people, if I miss one week, they may never listen again. You know, with the plethora of things that are out there asking for, bidding for your attention, bidding for your time, especially an hour of your time, which is huge. You know, it only takes one little hiccup for people to sort of look towards something else. And uh, maybe for some of you in the interim that we've been able to connect, you found something you'd rather give your time to. And if that's true, you're not even hearing this. But um, I don't know. It's just a long-winded way of saying that I take your attention seriously. And uh, it means a lot to me. And so I hope you understand. Uh, and, but it does mean something to me that, uh, in a way, kind of relating it to school again, if I had to give myself a grade out of 100 episodes, I've missed two. I would say that they're excused absences. Of course, I'm biased. But I'm also kind of the teacher in the class anyway. So I guess I get to excuse my own absences. So if at the end of all of this, first of all, you'll still get 100 episodes. So it's not like you're only getting... 98. In fact, if you really want to do the math, we started at episode zero. So even by the time we get to episode 100, you're getting 101. So I'm already doing extra credit, right? And the fact that you had to wait a week, a, a total of two weeks for two episodes, that doesn't bother me too much. And by the way, you're not paying for it. It's free. 
So, you know, I can't crucify myself for that. So even if you wanted to give me 98 out of 100, that's still a pretty good score. I'll take it. It's still an A+, plus, right? I'd still get a 4.0, right? I don't, I think so. Is that how it works? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, even if you had 90% in all your classes, you'd still have a 4.0 GPA. So anyway, and also if it bothers you, what, where's your podcast? You know, this is obviously my inner monologue coming out. I'm, I'm, I'm placing it in the mouths of, of some type of potential listener. But as I think about it, if it does bother you that maybe I skipped a week here or there, where's your podcast? What have you done a hundred weeks in a row? Not a lot. I, I mean, I haven't done a lot in my life that I've done a hundred weeks in a row or 98 weeks in a row. Man, it's an accomplishment. And actually, I, I know, I think uh, as, as, as recently as like three or four episodes ago, I was talking about, I, I'm kind of convinced that maybe after 100 episodes, I won't keep doing this. But I've enjoyed the last couple episodes. And I think having a week off, maybe it makes the podcast stronger. And if that's the case, it might, it might have to be a bi-weekly podcast. What do you think? I really have to defer to your judgment about that. If every other episode means they're all stronger... Is it worth doing that? Or, you know, is it okay to put up a 70%? Is it okay to put, I, dude, honestly, I think we have some 50s. I, I think there's, I think there's some, there's some stinkers in the last 100. I'll be honest with you. Not, and not just a few of them. I think we've strung quite a few of those together. I mean, I, I, I don't know exact numbers, but I think, you know, I think from like the mid fifties to the mid seventies were real sketchy. I mean, there were many months where it was very difficult for a long time. And uh, a lot of silence, and a lot of stammering, and a lot of yada, yada, yada. And um, it was hard for a while. But I, you know, maybe having time off has been helpful. But I've enjoyed the last couple episodes. And actually, I've heard from some of you that you enjoy them too. So uh, there are some people who listen to this who are close to me, who reach out to me about the podcast from time to time. And uh, they seem to enjoy the last couple episodes. And I'm glad you did, because I, I think they were important episodes too. talking about some spooky stuff. Well, spooky for other people, I think. Stuff that's very important to me, but I sort of go about my life and it and it and is it's meaningful to me and it's things I tell myself when I'm uh sort of pacing around my apartment trying to motivate myself or just kind of getting swept up in my own nonsense. Uh that feel important to me and it's actually how I organize a lot of my thinking and my decision making. Uh and so it's scary for me sometimes to talk about it here on the podcast because then I realize I'm uh, opening myself up to scrutiny. Um, but hell, I guess that's what a podcast is for. I think I told myself when I first started doing this podcast that that's kind of what I really wanted. I wanted to have a space where I could just sort of, you know, talk and hopefully say things that I was sort of scared to say. In any, in any other venue and hopefully be, I don't know, hopefully get good feedback on it. And not because it would make everybody happy, but it would kind of make the people that it was meant for happy. I mean, uh, we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but when I was making music at the, as the plastic arts before I was playing shows, I was just writing and recording songs. I mean, literally in the same room that I'm in right now. When you think about it, I mean, I, I may have said this, but now that the video podcast is going, I guess you've never really had that visual component. 
And I realize you can't see the entire space that I'm in right now, especially if you're listening to this. You should be watching the video podcast, by the way, because your boy's well coiffed. Your boy's head is shaved. He's uh, trimmed up around the face. He has a little little sun on him, a little color. Went for a hike yesterday, got a little sun-kissed. I feel like I'm looking okay. I just exercised. I got a glow about me. I'm looking good right now. You may not want to watch. You may get sucked in, you know what I'm saying? You may catch a vibe you aren't ready to catch. But I will say, if you're watching the video podcast, the very room that I'm in, I've, (laughs) I would say, I wrote one song in another place before I moved to this unit as the Plastic Arts. After that, every single song I've ever written has been in this room and very literally sitting in this exact spot. Holy shit. I've never really thought about that. Maybe sitting slightly to the right, honestly, if I want to be specific about it. But my songwriting process is I would pull a chair, not the exact same chair that's in front of me right now, but I would pull a chair and that would be my tabletop to my notebook would be on where I would write my lyrics. But in this proximal area is where every song I've ever written has been written. Wow, that's pretty crazy. I hadn't thought about that. And every song I've ever recorded that was recorded here. Not the work I've done as M. The Air, apparent, where I record with Gowan Matthews. But outside of that, every song I've ever recorded has been within <laughs> three feet of where I'm sitting. Wow. Man. This is an important space for me. You know, there was a period where me and my girlfriend were about to move in with each other. And that changed. That plan changed. And I don't think we've talked about it that much on the on the podcast. Actually, I think I did. I recorded an episode where I think I talked about it and then didn't release it and re-recorded the episode and put something else out. So uh, I'm sure we'll get to that at another time. We're still together, by the way. But, um, uh, you know, it was very, it was, a, it was a scary prospect for me to change locations. And I'm not like a woo-woo, well, maybe I am as I get older, but I'm not like a, I'm not, I'm certainly not superstitious. But I do believe that there's something about this space that is special. And um, I'm thinking about this because when I told my brother that me and my girlfriend were not going to move in with each other, he said, at least move out of that place that you've been in for the last X number of years, probably like 12, maybe more. I'd have to think about it. But I'm, you know, this is, I don't know. It sounds crazy. This is more than just a place for me. I've, I mean, I've lived so many chapters of my life in this space and I've, I've seen it as so many different people. And I'm sure once I do move locations, I'm not going to die here. If I have anything to say about it, who knows? I could step outside and get hit by a commuter truck. But um, there is something here. There's something in this space. And um, of course, I feel comfortable. I've lived here forever. But, um, you know, not that it means anything to anybody else. And I think the example I'm about to use is going to bother some people, but I I think you'll know what I mean by it. But it's like, you know when there's like an important house? I was like, Abe Lincoln was born in this cabin, or Anne Frank lived here, or whatever it is. Something of historical significance happened at this location. So they sort of keep it the way it is and put a plaque on it. And and like things like even like all the furniture is behind like plexiglass. So it kind of looks the same, but it's also protected. So people can't just walk up and like poke poke Anne Frank's stove or bookcase or something. It's all behind plexiglass, but they try to preserve it more or less of what it would look like. 
I wish I could do that with this space. <laughs> you know, uh, it may not look much like, it may not look like much to anybody else, but for me, it's like, it's like a creative womb. You know, there's so much has happened here. I mean, it's so funny. If you, you know, if you were one of the people who tuned into my first podcast years ago called Shut Up Songwriters, and I, you cannot find the podcast, the audio, but you can still find the videos. The YouTube channel still exists. If you look up Shut Up Songwriters on YouTube, you'll, you'll see all the videos. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of videos. And over time, they've gotten a fair amount of views. You know, many of the people I had on that podcast, it was the first, you know, media they ever had. You know, their first long form interview, the first time someone had like shot a video of them performing, more or less. And so as those artists continued to play locally or, you know, got a little bit of traction or whatever it was, a lot of times that was their first promotional content. They would send people the podcast, they would send people the video. And there's some cool people on there. You know, I've talked about my buddy Field Medic. Uh, when he first started playing his Field Medic, I mean, some, I, bet, I bet those videos that are on YouTube are some of the first videos that were done. And it's so funny because at the time he was in a band called Rintin Tiger. And uh, I think I may have like put his name like parenthetically because like Field Medic was not a very established name. And uh, I should go back and see how many views those videos have. I mean, if it's still, you know, he's he's blown up quite a bit, especially as Field Medic. So um, it'd be interesting to see how much uh, how many views those videos have. But um, what am I talking about? Oh, people would come here and see this space. And they were always kind of surprised at how tiny it was. I mean, I remember one time, this was, gosh, I mean, I've been with my girlfriend now for, it'll be five years in a couple months. One of the last people that I dated before her, I remember, I, it was kind of an interesting story. I bumped into her on the street. We were both walking toward uh, BART, which is the subway out here, the train, the subway, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we were both walking toward the BART station, and she dropped something, and I helped her pick it up. And so we started going down the escalator together. We have a conversation, kind of kick it off. I give her my information. And then, like, a couple of days later, we like I'm, like, walking up the street, and she's biking the other direction. Oh, hey, funny seeing you. Or chatted up and make plans to connect. She uh, came over here, left her bike here, whatever. And uh, we walked up the street. We went to a flea market. It's kind of nearby. And uh, afterwards, she sort of saw my place. And uh, I remember she walked in and she said, where's the rest of your place, dude? <laughs> and I was like, um, this is it. I also remember, I'm not going to say his name. He's a, he's a good guy. It's, I, I, this is not a bad story about him. It's just a, a reaction to my space that stands out in my mind also. Um, but there's a local concert promoter who came over here. And... Uh, he came in and said something similar, maybe not worded exactly the same, but you know, he's like, Hey, where's, where's the rest of, where's the rest of your place? And I was like, Oh, this is it. And he was like, Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, it has everything you need. You know, that kind of nervous, your voice goes up an octave kind of, I'm lying kind of thing. You're like, uh, Oh, I hate people who wear plaid. And then somebody opens up their shirt and shows you that they're wearing a plaid undershirt and you go, Oh yeah, but it's cool when you wear it. It's all good. It was one of those moments. And uh, funny to me, I guess a little wounding because I remembered it, but um, yeah, I guess uh, some people just don't see the charm of this space. Although it has shown me that I don't need a lot of real estate, that's for sure. I mean, I've seen people who live in like truly like 
like uh, pauperish type existences. You know, and they really live in truly shitty apartments. I have some friends who I can think of who uh, that definitely fits the bill. But that's not this. You know, this is a nice cottage in someone's backyard. You know, if anything, I I just need to keep it cleaner. It is a little uh, cluttered. I'll put it that way. You know, there were periods where I was just like immaculately clean. And since I've started school, that's just gone out the goddamn window. You know, it's not deplorable, but it's definitely more cluttered than I would like. So I told myself that this summer I'm going to do a major cleaning job on it. But anyway, you don't care about that shit. The point is, is that if you're watching the video podcast, believe it or not, almost within arm's reach of everywhere, you can see me now. It's where every song I've ever been, every song I've ever written has been written, you know, on this same sofa recording just over there or just over there things have kind of moved around over the years but um if you're a fan of the record academy clones just off screen is where i recorded it <laughs> um anyway i wasn't planning on taking a walk down memory lane but so it goes huh <clears throat> i watched the friends reunion on hbo you probably didn't know that about me, but I've I've seen every episode of Friends. I actually really liked it. I know, you know, I'm I'm I think I, I at least I present myself as a relatively intelligent person, and so people assume that I, I like Seinfeld, or if it's like uh like Beatles versus Rolling Stones, like there's like Friends or Seinfeld, or like the two major sitcoms at the time, and smart people are supposed to like Seinfeld. I've never gotten into Seinfeld, and I've tried to. You know, I think you can watch them all on Hulu right now. They they might even be on Netflix for all I know. But it's like The Wire. I've tried to get into it. I've started watching The Wire like six fucking times. And I can't get past. I think the furthest I've gotten was like four or five episodes. And I was just like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what happens. And everyone says that is the best show on television. And you're talking to a guy who's seen every episode of The Sopranos like three or four times. And people say, oh, you think Sopranos is good. Wait till you see The Wire. Never fucking watched it. Or I should say I've never pushed past episode four or five. The last thing I remember is like the cops pulling up to this like brownstone apartment and like getting shot down at some bullshit. I don't know. I was just like, I don't care. Excuse me, man. But I watched the Friends reunion. Yeah. Um... You know, I really feel like I'm malcontent because there's this person I'm connected with on social media who uh, I, I sort of had forgotten that the reunion was happening on HBO and then they posted that they had seen it and it was everything that they wanted it to be and oh, how cool. And there were some cool moments. It's the, the, the best part is when you go back and just like see bloopers from the TV show. That's what's really interesting. But they do this thing too where they make this huge production out of it. Like you ever watch a show like The Bachelor or I'm trying to think any... I guess they kind of do this with a lot of reality shows, but anytime they have this season of a reality show, they'll usually have like a wrap up or a catch up show where they bring everybody back to the same set and ask them questions. Uh, Hey, what happened in this moment? And how are you guys getting along? Are you still beefing? And sometimes people yell and scream at each other and sometimes people make up and all sorts of shit. It it was kind of like that. It's, it's very much produced. The cool thing was they rebuilt all the sets and had them sort of walk around and, and all that sort of stuff. But then it becomes kind of like a, I don't know, it's just overly produced. They like they have them sit around and play a game, and then they have like Lisa Kudrow sing Smelly Cat, but then like Lady Gaga comes on and sings it with her, and you're just like, who gives a shit? 
You know, it's like, why can't it just be, why can't it just be chill? You know, nobody cares about the, 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 like, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon, not Gordon Ramsay, what the, uh, Gordon, Josh, who's a, who's a kind of zoftig, chubby English host? Josh, not Josh Gordon. What the fuck's his name? Gordon, Gordon, Josh Gordon. I don't fucking know. You know who I'm talking about, but he had to host it. Of course. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like it could have been so much simpler and better. Like right now, I'm fucking, like right now I'm taking Chinese. And in the textbook, you have these audio examples, which are great. You have all these dialogues you have to learn. And, you know, Chinese is not intuitive. You really do have to hear it, you know. And uh, that's very helpful. But on top of that, you know, they have these characters that they weave throughout the textbooks. There's like, you know, half a dozen people or so. And I get it. There's supposed to be a narrative that's something to latch on to so you can sort of follow these people and understand their dialogue. And that that's fine. But the, the part where they go wrong is they have videos. Not just audio. They have videos. And people have these plot points. So you have Wang Peng and Li Yao. Li Yao is a white girl, by the way, who speaks fluent Mandarin who's living in China. But then you have Wang Peng and they meet. And you can tell right from the get-go it's kind of their meet-cute. Like, I'm sure as the textbook develops, they get together or have a crush on each other or whatever. But they shoot this video that's fucking god-awful. And it's, like, shot on the campus of some college. And there's all these pickup shots. And there's music. And it's just so poorly acted. And the sound design is awful. And you just think, this would have been so much easier if it was just shot in a, um... What do they call those spaces where it's just white? Like, where Apple did all those commercials? Um, if they just shot it like I shoot this fucking podcast and just had two people sitting here talking, it would have been way better. Because now I'm watching it thinking, this is pretty shitty. Like, whatever they tried to do just overshot their production ability. Like, the editing, like everything about it's wrong. The sound sucks, the acting sucks, the music sucks, the editing sucks. Did I mention the sound sucks? The sound sucks. It's all bad. And you think they should have just stuck to a... Sm- done something less ambitious that just fulfilled the brief of what was needed. Like, people just need to hear people, native speakers, speak this. Not in the sort of, you know, how do you say it? The sort of textbook audio way where everything's very slow, well-pronounced, so that you can practice along with it. They just want to hear native people saying the same thing. It's just a faster clip. Maybe the, you know, uh, Chinese is a tonal, Mandarin is a tonal language. Um, that's less, what's the word, emphasized or something, just as, as more like native speakers would speak it. We don't need the fucking acting. We don't need the acting. It looks like, a, it look, it, it's like a shitty high school production of a daytime soap opera is what it looks like. It is funny when you learn a language too, because even as you're learning it, you realize you're not really learning how people speak. You know, even like even with ASL, at the end of a, of a semester, you can't really have a conversation. You can have very specific types of conversations. You can speak, you can say hello, you can ask somebody their name, you can ask where they go to school, you can ask their favorite color, you can ask what food they like to eat, you can ask for directions to the train, you know? But it's like, you know, the way that you speak and communicate is a very stilted, robotic, not at all natural way of speaking. And even looking ahead in my Chinese textbook, I realized by the end of the semester, 
you're not going to be able to speak. You're not going to say anything very cool. And if you actually went to China and started speaking that way, people would think you were fucking nuts. You know? It's like when you first learn a foreign language and you just have like a semester or even a year's worth of competency, you speak like an alien who like uploaded language software to their brain and just like talks in an overly formal type of way. Like if you literally translated what we're saying in Chinese, you're saying things like, hello, may I have the pleasure of asking you your honorable last name? And it's like, if you went to China and spoke that way, they'd be like, what? Who are you? I'd, I'd sound like some white Chinese robot. <clears throat> it's also a bit like you speak a little when you're inserting your own name. This is going to be hard because I've tried to avoid using my name. So let me make up a name like John Smith. Um, when, you, when you have these conversations and you start saying your your name, it sounds a bit like when you watch like the Spanish channel and all of a sudden they're like Spanish, 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 Coca-Cola, Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. These like American nouns just sort of pop up and they just sound very stilted. It's like the same thing in Chinese. You're like, ni hao, ni gui xing. And you say, wo xing smith, ni na. You say, wo xing john. You say, smith, shen sheng. Ni jiao shen ma ming su. And it's like, wo uh, jiao Tyler, <laughs> I don't know. I sound stupid as I do this. Believe me, I know that 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 didn't sound great. But that's you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm going for? You know what I mean when I say like you speak foreign language and and all of a sudden the English words pop up. And 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 it, and it sounds strange. That's that's what I mean. Okay. Oh, wow, tough crowd. Okay. Well, what are we going to talk about, folks? What did you prepare? You know, I do have this thing as someone who uh, does uh, leads training on the crisis lines, we talk about silence. And uh, silence on the crisis lines has always been a skill of mine. You know, one of the strengths I have as a counselor is when it goes silent, I'm totally cool with that. I'm able to just sort of sit in it. And it's actually an important skill to have. It's actually, the, it's it's the antithesis to how I feel on the podcast, actually. Which is when I fall into a silence on the podcast, I take... Well, I mean, who else can take responsibility for it? But it's like silences in my therapy. And now that I'm saying this, I feel like we've already talked about this. So sorry for being, uh, this is the greatest hit episode of the podcast, I presume. But, um, you know, I feel this pressure to say something, and the, which is not how I feel as a, as a counselor. You know, there's certainly things I have to hit. And sometimes people say something that absolutely warrants a response. And if I don't respond, then it's, irreverent or it feels like I'm not listening or it's just um, that person's going to be disappointed. But there are also many times where you just find a natural silence where it's totally okay to just kind of sit in it and wait for the other person to speak. 
for a couple of reasons. One, there there is that sort of Mia Wallace quality, like in Pulp Fiction, where she says, you know, she identifies that there's an awkward silence between her and John Travolta, and she says, that's when you found the right person, when you can just shut the fuck up. Now, there's a kernel of truth there. Uh, I don't know if I think it's that simple, but, um, you know, there's that, and then there's also, when there's silence, things come out of it that just wouldn't wouldn't come up otherwise. And sometimes you have to give people the silence, not just for yourself to sort of reflect on what's been said, but give them an opportunity to, you know, sit with how they're feeling as well. And I think the goal is that if you sit with that, sometimes things come out of it that just wouldn't have come up if you were just trying to yada, 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 the entire time. But you know that. If you don't know that, you're a new listener to the podcast, and then I can't help you. I, I hear popping outside my window. I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe people are putting out fireworks or something. Excuse me. I will say I haven't gone shooting in a long time. You know, my car was in the shop for about three or four weeks. I didn't go shooting because I couldn't get to the range. And then now that I'm back, in, as soon as I got it back, I was so busy with school. I just haven't had a chance to go during the week. So I told myself at some time, at some point this week, I'm going to go back to the range and shoot. But... um yeah, it's just funny how life is. You have some things that just really occupy all your attention for a long time, or a big part of it anyway. I mean, I was going to the range every week. I would dry fire every day in my place and practice. And it's like I haven't even picked up my, what do I say, my pistol, my revolver. I haven't even picked it up in a long time. I haven't even looked at it. hope it's okay. hope it's not rusted out. <sighs> so anyway, I look forward to going back to the, uh, look forward to going back to the range and doing that. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. What are your plans? You having a barbecue? Is that what people do? Or is that mostly mostly 4th of July? My girlfriend and I are going to a farm, a picking farm. There's an organic picking farm. Hear me, sorry. I realize this is uh, when I do that, many of you yawn as well. So I'm sorry about that, especially if you're driving. But um. We're going to an organic picking farm. So, can you guess whose idea it was? You're right. My girlfriend, God bless her heart, she loves to do something when there's time. <laughs> For many of you, that makes sense. Of course, you have free time. Don't you want to do something? I'm not really wired that way. I mean, I know I'm coming off of a hard week, too, so, you know, there is something very much appealing about not doing anything. You know, just kind of sleeping in. Excuse me, sorry. Waking up, doing nothing. Just watching two hours of Judge Judy. Watching watching the Friends reunion if I want to. Playing a video game. I told you I was playing that game Cuphead. I'm stuck. I'm at one of the last bosses, and it's just fucking kicking my ass. I've been playing it for weeks. You know, I'll play it like, especially when I was studying, like that was part of the ways I would take a break. Sometimes I'd play like a 10-minute game of chess. Sometimes I would play this little bit of a video game. Sometimes I'd walk around the block. But there's this one boss I just uh, can't can't beat it. I'm, I'm getting, sorry, sorry. I'm getting better and better at it, but I just can't fucking, I can't move past it, man. But we'll see. In some ways, actually, 
and I probably talked about this as well, but this is uh, this game Cuphead's pretty interesting because it's all boss fights. And I've had this uh, phrase in my mind recently. I can't remember. I think it actually came up in an interview. Actually, I facilitate interviews for the agency I work for for the volunteers. And I think someone said this, you know, progress is not linear. And it was like I heard it at the right time, you know. And uh, I I said as much to them. I said, yeah, I'm really going to sit with that. And actually, it's really stuck with me. And I've seen it applied to other areas of my life as well. I try to apply it even now to Chinese. But, you know, like with this game Cuphead, it's like sometimes you really feel like you're making progress. And then all of a sudden you just can't, I don't know. You can't uh, can't make any progress. Um, you know, you think that if you're if you're making headway, you're just going to continually get better, and it doesn't really doesn't really work that way, does it? You know, you move ahead four steps, you step back one or two, then you move ahead two, then you move ahead a couple more, then you fall back a little bit. You know, it's only when you look back and the totality of all the work that you've done that you see how much progress you've made. You know, so right now I'm stuck on this one particular boss, but it, you know, it doesn't negate all the other bosses I've had to work through to get to this one. But, uh, you know what I mean? Sorry. Oh man. Call this one the yawn episode. Jesus Christ. It's been a while since we've had this many yawns on an episode. I think, uh, it's two things. I, I worked out right before I right before I uh, I did this. I exercised. I took a shower, and uh, pretty quickly I, I sat down and did the episode. And I I feel it catching up with me. Had a really physical day yesterday too. Woke up. I walked home from my girlfriend's place. Got our got my laundry. We were going to do laundry together. I also do. There's this new place around me. I don't know if you live in the Bay Area. There's a place called Squibbish. They do pretzels every weekend, like soft pretzels, which is like. My crack cocaine. Now that I think about it, actually, I left them over at my girlfriend's place, which was a fucking major mistake because I would love to have a soft pretzel right now. But um, got some pretzels, surprised her with some pretzels when I picked her up to do laundry. And uh, we did laundry. Then we went out to, um, you know, we've been walking the SF Bay Trail, which is basically a 500-mile loop around the entire Bay Area. And uh, I don't know. I always feel like I don't want to tell you exactly where I'm at. But uh, this is not where I live, but just where we're walking now is sort of in the area of Benicia, which is an area sort of north of north of Berkeley and Richmond and Albany. And basically there's this area called Martinez and Carquinez, and you cross the bridge. It's not the North Bay technically, but it's, you know, across a body of water on, on, on the, um, this side of the bay. But um, walked up through there, and uh, it's kind of a pretty area. Sorry. 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 Sorry, I told myself going into this one, I hope it was another uh, cathartic and <sighs> cathartic and profound episode. And here I am just yawning at you. I really apologize for that. But uh, there's two areas that we've seen recently that are just like marinas where people have their boats docked. This one was near Vallejo. Uh, the other one was just south south of there, probably near Carquinas or Benicia. I can't quite remember. But anyway, it's always weird when I see these areas where it's just a marina with a bunch of boats. And it's like, you know people live on them. And it's like, I already can't stand having neighbor noise. Imagine if everybody was just living on their boat 
with just a dock's width between them. And as we're walking through there, it's like kind of windy. And it's like everybody has these sails with these ropes coming off and they have metal carabiners tied to them. And everything's just like clanging up against the pole or whatever. And I just like just walking through there at a fucking goddamn migraine. I was like, I could not imagine living here. And I know this is a huge generalization, but it's like people who live on boats generally, not always, but generally, they're kind of society adjacent. I mean, every once in a while you have the uh, uh, wealthy, I don't know, sort of guy who's got, you know, millions in the bank and owns a boat and wants to live on it. And he's basically like, a, oh, I don't know, alternative lifestyle kind of millionaire type dude. Um, I feel like he would probably have some privacy for his boat, but... You have a lot of people who you just get the sense, like, owe some child support. Like, they're kind of in arrears with child support, or they have a couple warrants out for their arrest. It just, it doesn't, it, it just feels, I think a lot of people like Alaska or Florida. I feel like a lot of, like, um, deadbeat dads end up in those two places. I feel like a lot of deadbeat dads end up in boatyards. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I feel. That's the judgment that I bring to it, Okay. And uh, it's just a certain swath, if that's the right word, of society, right? And uh, I just have to imagine that there's probably a lot of boozing that happens in the area. Um, it's like, you know what it is? It's like Trailer Park, and I know that this is all classism here, but it's like Trailer Park, but it's like the lone wolf Trailer Park, you know? Because you don't have your family on your boat, that's for damn sure. It's usually eight, it's like one dude, you know what I mean? I did meet a female, actually, who told me that she um, uh, bought a boat recently and now lives in a boatyard. But um, this is also not somebody you'd ever really want to spend time with, so. <sighs> wow. Pretty barbed. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, talking about uh, child support makes me think of Judge Judy. I've been watching a lot of Judge Judy. There's two people I've been watching. Um or actually even listening to, really. I sort of have them playing in the background while I do homework. I, I was probably talking about this recently because I was actually at my girlfriend's place, and as I was doing work there, I had her laptop open, and I was just playing Judge Judy because that's kind of the cadence I had going on in the background as I've been working recently, so it's like my comfort blanket. And I was telling her it was kind of interesting actually to see them, to actually see the people that I had been hearing about because as you hear these cases, you sort of picture the people in your head. And... uh Seeing the seeing what they actually look like was kind of a revelation sometimes. But the connection I made as I was thinking about this recently was I've talked about that there's basically two voices I have in my head sometimes as I've been working out with this one exercise program, which I did today. It's called Body Project. I probably don't want to tell you about it for a while, but you can find it on YouTube. It's called Body Project. It's a lot of aerobic type exercise. I think it's, look, if you're looking to get more physical, look, things are opening up. We've all been very sedentary for the last year. You maybe you've gained COVID nineteen. I've gained COVID nineteen. That's okay. Trying to be more physically active, right? Hey, it's worked for me. I've done it for three, four months now. I don't know. I've lost ten pounds. I can't push past that though. I can't push past. I think I would have to really change my diet or something. At uh, at thirty five, the, the pounds like you get a little active, you'll drop some weight, but you're, you're not you're not going back to the weight you were before without a serious lifestyle change. So, not quite sure if I'm ready for that. I, there's too many soft pretzels I want to eat, but. If you're looking to work out, you can use Body Project. The other side of that, the, the, the yin to that yang would be the David Goggins approach, right? Because Body Project, you're doing it, and it's all like 
progress, not perfection, and do your best, and you're a champion, and you're a winner, and just by showing up, you won, you know, that sort of shit, which uh, I feel kind of guilty about, because that's not really like how I speak to myself as I go through life, but I've actually found it very motivating and sustainable as I've sort of returned to trying to be more active. The opposite of that is like the David Goggins self-talk approach, where it's like, you're a little bitch, and pain is weakness leaving the body, and you want to quit, that's because you're a loser, and don't be a loser, and yeah, it hurts, but that's that's what it fucking takes. And like jumping in an ice bath every morning, and uh, running a marathon every day, like that type of like beat yourself up and, and show yourself what you can really do type of mentality. As I've been watching Judge Judy, of course, YouTube is like, hey, you might also like this. And it showed me, I think his name is Judge Capria. You've probably seen him. I, I didn't know his name. I wasn't familiar with him. He just, he had some heat on Facebook for a while. At least if you're on the West Coast where everybody's all hippy-dippy, that's what we're sharing out here. We're not sharing all the Trump rally flat earth bullshit that you might be uh, seeing on your feet in Biloxi, Mississippi. But out here in, in, in California, you know, people share a lot of uh, Judge, I think it's Frank Capria or something. He has a show called Cotton Providence, which I haven't seen because I don't have cable. But I see the stuff that's on YouTube. And he's actually, in some ways, when I watch him, he sort of is like the, but he's a very benevolent judge. He's fair, I think, relatively fair. Occasional messed up, but he's human. Um, But he hears people out, he hears what they're going through, and he tries to cut people every break that he can. Uh, Judge Judy, on the other hand, is like, you come in, she settles your hash and lets you know who's boss. And the truth is, I deeply respect both approaches. Like when I watch Judge Judy, I think I think what I love about her is I go, damn, that's how I feel so much of the time. That's what I want to tell people. Like when I'm at work or sometimes when I'm working with volunteers and they want to give me their sob story about why they can't do A, B, or C, and then I have to sort of take on the responsibility and I feel super stressed out. It's like I want to tell people, hey, get your goddamn shit together. Take responsibility for what you said you were going to do and fucking do it. You know, yeah, it sucks, but I got shit I got to deal with too. Right, so be an adult and do the damn thing, and that doesn't feel draconian to me. And obviously, when I, or I should say, honestly, when I watch Judge Judy, I know that many people watching it would think that she's awful. I don't think there's a lot wrong with her. I think she tends to repeat herself, and sometimes I think she can be a little bit too hard on people because she likes the sound of her own voice. But in principle, I don't really see her doing a lot of damage. You know, I happen to agree with her. I think a lot of people try to bullshit her, and she doesn't fucking play that shit. When I watch you know, the clips from Cotton Providence with this sort of benevolent judge, you know, he hears people out. He understands like, hey, if I find this person that can impact their kids and they're dealing with X, Y, and Z and there are circumstances that need to be considered and, you know, he's very fair. He's very benevolent. And I see the impact that has and I see how good it is. And for some reason, I respect this person. And in some ways, what I really think about is like if you read the, the Tao Te Ching, which is a very influential book for me. Or even when you read the I Ching about like what, what the superior man or the benevolent ruler, the sort of philosopher king archetype that you know really advocates that people be, the influence of moral virtue, you really get the sense like this dude, Frank Capria, Judge Capria might be that type of person. You know, the Tao Te Ching says things like, you know, if the state doesn't glorify weaponry, then the people won't glorify weaponry. Or if the state is lenient, people will be lenient. Or there's a great quote in Mencius, different book, but different philosopher text, but 
you know, excuse me, the king says uh, to Mencius, something like, you know, people don't delight in my gardens. And he says, well, have you shared them with people? Can they use them? And he says, no. And he says, well, open up your gardens to people, open up your lands to people and they will enjoy it. And the king is like, oh shit, I guess so. And I see that with Frank Capria as well. It's like, if you're lenient with people, it won't be a, like, life is not a burden to them. Like if you're the benevolent king of a land and you make taxes low, you make it easy for people to make money, and you're lenient and forgiving with crimes, people will, your renown will spread. Like, people will want to live there. And uh, I think like there, I think there's something to that. And I don't know, maybe that's some fairy tale bullshit, but I, I wonder if it's true. You know, there's people who come to court and they think it's going to be the worst day of their life and they're treated fairly and you see a change in their person. They're like, oh shit, I guess it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. You know, could you make court a, maybe not people's favorite thing to do, but if they had to go to court for some infraction, can you make it so that it's not drudgery, which is how it's normally treated, right? You have a beleaguered judge who's dealing with more court cases than they can handle and they have so many people coming in and bullshitting them. You know, I'm not saying overnight things can change, but if you just enter that courtroom as like a benevolent and fair judge over time, I think this is what I'm saying. You know, this judge didn't just make an impact. The dude's probably been a judge for decades and decades. And then the internet comes along and the videos get shared. And then, of course, someone thinks it needs to be on TV or whatever. But you have to believe that this person's moral influence has, is rippling out into the community. And sure, there's always going to be people who take advantage of the system. You can tell that there are people who come in and say, if I just come in with a sob story chambered, there's a decent chance that he'll lower my penalty or whatever it is. I don't know that I see this guy take, maybe, maybe they just don't edit it into the show, but I don't know that I see this person being taken advantage of a lot. He seems pretty discerning. It seems like he calls people out on their bullshit. There was actually, there's only one case that I've seen that I thought was a huge misstep. And there was a man who came in and he had an advocate with him. This man was clearly mentally ill. He was receiving mental health services from the local behavioral health office or whatever. And he had his, I don't know if it was his counselor or case manager. He had some worker from the behavioral health, behavioral health office with him as an advocate. And this person had gotten many sightings or something. And the person speaking for this other man said, you know, my client, you know, lives with some delusions. And I don't remember what he said exactly, but it wasn't long before the client started speaking into the microphone and addressing the judge and spoke about his perception, which was clearly this man lived with some profound delusions. And he said something about every MLK day, I get a ticket because you know, the system is after me or some kind of, you know, some kind of delusional thing. And this judge looked at him and said, Hey, I remember you, you came in here last time and I was lenient with you. And right as you were walking out, you turned around and flipped me off. You know, and I remember that and that was very disrespectful. And so here you are in front of me again today, and I'm not going to be so lenient with you. And the guy sort of leaned in and, and clearly the guy was mentally ill. And I thought about this. This is one of the rare missteps that I've seen from this judge. And I get what he's saying, right? You know, someone, you are a benevolent person and you're nice with people. You give a guy a break and then as he's walking out the door, he flips you off. And now he's back in front of you and you, you know, you want some type of decorum in your courtroom. 
and you're not getting it. And so you, you feel punitive. That makes perfect sense. What I'm sort of surprised with is even with someone as benevolent as this, right? I think he's a good guy. The guy's not harmful. It's just how we're enculturated to deal with certain types of mental illness. If you're on Facebook all day long, it's anxiety is real and depression's real and yada, yada, yada. And it's the world's smallest violin for all of these things. And of course they're real. And you know, I'm not trying to diminish that. But in society, we still have this huge stigma around people who live with like profound mental illness that is delusional. People hear voices, people are schizophrenic. You know, people, you know, they're, you know they, they lash out or they act out or they yell and scream or they see things or they hear things or they, you know, they live with these delusions that, you know, we look at them and think that they're nuts. What they trigger in us is, and this is not where people are evil. It's just how we are. And in, in a way, it's how we're biologically wired. But if you see someone walking down the street talking to themselves or yelling at something that's not there um, or talking about how there's a vast government conspiracy and that's why they get parking tickets and you're in a courtroom and you're, you know, you're behaving kind of in an antisocial way. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but you're not part of the herd. You know, you're flipping off the judge or you're yelling and screaming. You're presenting in a way that seems adversarial. We, we just think that that person is nuts, Right. We don't consider like, oh, that person is living, you know, their experience of the world is this sort of fractured delusional perspective that they inherited and have no fucking control over that's influencing how they're experiencing the world. You know, you're sitting there as just like a benevolent judge. That's not how this person experiences you at all. You are the face or one part of a vast system that is persecuting them, not in reality, but that's their genuine experience. That's how they really experience the world. Of course, they're adversarial. Um, You know, they're not in control of themselves the way other people are in control of themselves. The world that they experience is just not the same as what we're experiencing. It's not reasonable to either expect the same behavior from them or even hold them accountable for their actions the way we would other people. Because so-and-so normal people. Um, and yeah, so it was surprising to me. I, I, I wish the advocate that they had had with them had been more vocal about that. Um, it was kind of sad. And I guess the sad part too is I, I felt bad for this person now, you know, getting fined for something that I think was based on behavior that they weren't really in control over. But also you just look at the comments too, and people say things like, hey man, if this guy's this crazy, he shouldn't be driving. It was like some driving infraction that he was uh, in court for. And it's just one of those things that I, I think like as, as like we're just enculturated to like treat people like that as dangerous. You know, the things that they say are delusional and can be strange. Oh, and maybe I didn't worry this part, but of course we see someone who's behaving erratically or yelling at things that aren't there and we, we feel threatened. You know, that's how we're, we're just how we're wired biologically. We see something aberrant and our defense, you know, our, our, we have a sort of threat response to it. In the same way, like if an animal starts behaving weird, we're on guard, right? Because we are we're wired to to look at something as this might be a threat. But I think, you know, the literature, the studies have shown that you know people who live with those types of delusions or that types of mental illness are exponentially more likely to be victims of crime than to to perpetrate crimes. Anyway, I'm sort of going off on here, and I, I feel like we have to end the podcast soon. But um, I think I'm just trying to say that. You know, 
one of the yin and yangs I live with that I feel torn between all the time is this sort of exercise mentality. Like, how do you improve yourself? Is it by telling yourself to quit being a bitch and like get your shit together and like dig deep and like uh, work the pain out? Or is it like, hey man, it's okay. Like just do your best and that's all good. That has been sustainable for me lately. And I guess I think the same thing because there's a part of me like as I go with the world, I feel very punitive. I feel like I want to tell people like in my, you know, the people that work who don't want to do their job or the, the, you know, in this group project that I've had recently, like the people who don't want to do their work and they're telling me, oh, yada, I go, hey, man, your response, like we're all, your, your actions impact us. Get your shit together. I'm not going to get a lower grade just because you're fucking lazy or whatever it is. But then there's the Judge Caprio, 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 benevolent philosopher king approach. Which is better? I don't know. I think the real Jedi perspective for me sometimes is I think they're both right. And I think there's a time and place for each. I think part of the reason like these fights between us, they persist all the time is because we think it has to be either or. Like you have the conservative people on the right who are just like, you know, biblical literist, fucking gun-loving, anti-evolutionist, flat earther, whatever the fuck it is. They're all they're all the way that. And then you have the hippy-dippy left who are off in la-la land thinking the world can be cotton candy and rainbows. The truth is it's always somewhere in the middle, you know? I mean, even um, it, actually in a way, that's why it's really yin and yang, you know? It's not these two opposing forces. They're actually of the same thing. This is where we get kind of metaphysical here. But if you look at the sort of cosmology of like Chinese philosophy, they talk about like from the one, the great ultimate comes the two, the yin and yang. From them come the three, the trigrams. And from the three come the 10,000 things. But if you look at the yin and yang, it's light in dark. It's dark in light. Yeah, there's a big sort of divide down the middle, there's this idea that there are these two opposing forces, but one is in the other as well. And it's not about being one or the other. It's, you know, is it a continuum? I don't know what you call it, but it's like uh, they're, they're knobs that sort of dial in and out of each other. And it's really about doing the right thing in the right moment, not not using the same tool to approach the same problem every time, but being discerning, right? When to be harsh, when to be benevolent. I think that's the solution. And uh, maybe I'm just trying to sum this up very quickly here, but I think that's where a lot of us get lost is we feel like there's this dialogue in the culture and a lot of us feel lost in the middle because we don't think it's one or the other. We think it's both at the same time. And uh, maybe I should just speak for myself, but I feel like a lot of that nuance get lo- gets lost in the conversation. And um, hell, I think it gets lost when people sort of criticize me. But uh, we'll talk about that more another time. Uh, Let's wrap up this episode now. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can. On Apple Podcasts and Spotify, everywhere you find good podcasts, you will find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us. Give us five stars if you want to. Type a couple sentences about why you do like the podcast. That stuff is meaningful. I saw, you know, I I sort of sneaked a peek at the reviews. I said I never would again. I did see a positive one there. So uh, whoever left that, thank you. Uh, It means a lot to me. Uh, and also a video podcast now available at thisismpod.com. That's thisismpod.com. You can watch the latest episode there. You can also click through to the YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, you'll be one of the fr- one of the handful of people who check those out regularly. But um, for me, it's uh, 
it's kind of the way forward. If I keep doing this, I'll definitely keep doing the video podcast. And ideally, that's where I'd like people to watch. So uh, if you want to check that out, you're certainly welcome to. Otherwise, sorry to miss you last week. Good to be back. And uh, I definitely will be back next week for our uh, 88th episode. So thank you for tuning in. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And ciao for now.